Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you that we can take this time to pray and speak to you and share our heart with you and bring, Lord, to your presence our praise, our worship unto you. We recognize your awesomeness. We thank you, Lord, for helping us to navigate the day, the week. And, Lord, the fact that we can lean upon you, Lord, is, uh, is soothing, brings a sense of security in our journey. And I pray that this evening as we gather, Lord, together, that you might be able to visit us once again, not only here in our sanctuary, but also that every home this evening will be turned into a sanctuary where your glory and presence will be there, Lord, with our family members, our loved ones, our children, and that we might sense, Lord, your, your, your presence, your glory in a way that gives us peace, in a way, Lord, that brings encouragement. I pray this, thanking you always in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much this evening for joining us for this worship celebration. And it's always so good to be able to gather, even in this creative way, to gather together uh, to worship and to just thank the Lord for all that he does for us. I, uh, you know, we, we have to come to the realization that our life also must include a spiritual component in our journey that we have a soul that needs to be satisfied, a spirit that needs to be ministered to. And uh, we do it this way as we gather through song, through fellowship. And I know this is distant fellowship right now because, you know, we, we're still in the middle of this pandemic. Uh, things are looking better, uh, thank God, and uh, we're praying, uh, but being wise also as we move forward. Uh, but even through this distancing that we have, nonetheless, the fellowship, the connection that we have, brings incredible value to our lives. I'd like to direct your attention for a few moments to a passage of Scripture that I want to use to help us, uh, number one, be encouraged, of course, because I believe the, the Word increases our faith, and that alone brings encouragement to us, but also instruction, which is it allows us to be able to continue uh, to grow and expand our capacity. Um, just because we're... You know, we're quarantined and can't relate and connect with one another the way we, we are used to, that doesn't mean that we are, our growth is going to be stifled. On the contrary, we need to continue to be intentional in developing and in growing, increasing our capacity, reaching deeper levels of maturity, and being able to continue to grow because that's, uh, that's what disciples of Christ do. That's what we are supposed to do. Uh, we can't rest on the uh, the levels of achievement that we might have reached yesterday or last year, but constantly on this dynamic road of growing and expanding. And I believe the text today found in John chapter 3 is going to be very helpful with that in mind. I've titled the, the, um, th this talk with you today, this sermon, this teaching, Stay in Your Lane. Stay in Your Lane. And really what I want to do with this passage, as I read it, it came to me and it was ministering to me because I've I dare not come to you in a very hierarchical way speaking down. I like to be able to also let the text marinate in my heart and see what the Lord is saying to me. So as I read this immediately, what came to mind is to a discussion about roles and expectations. Oftentimes, if we don't um, uh, you know, have a, a firm foundation or framework, if you will, with regards to our role, the role of others, that's going to inform the expectations that we would even have on ourselves or on others. 
And if those expectations are met, okay. But if they're not met because our role or our expectations were not uh, in line with the ability of someone or the ability of yourself to deliver, then what happens, we end up becoming frustrated or we become even worse. We can become angry and, and other emotions that will kick in. This story picks up on John chapter 3, verses 22. And I'm going to go down to all the way to, to uh, 36. So just follow me as I, I, I pick passages a few verses at a time and kind of uh, lift up the intent for the talk today which is stay in your lane and we find of course Jesus involved in his ministry we find them in the early parts of his ministry actually uh, that's where John picks it up for us I remember John only includes about 20 or 30 days uh, of, of the life of the Lord that's how much is included in John that fourth gospel written at the end of the first century He's writing now to really the only theme of the book of John is really that you may know Christ and receive him as your Savior. Remember John 3.16, that famous verse is found in there, although that's not the key verse of the book. But nonetheless, is that you can come to know the Lord. You can come to experience the gospel and make it personal in your life by deciding to embrace Christ. That's the entire theme of John. And so we find here that uh, and I'll pick it up now in verse 22 through 24, these three verses. After this, remember Jesus was teaching and ministering, but after this, verses 22 through 24, after this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John, now this is talking about John the baptizer, not John the author of this book. Now John also was baptizing there because there was plenty of water. And people were coming and being baptized. This, is, this was before John was put in prison. Key parenthetical statement, which, by the way, if you study John, uh, the Gospel of John, John is replete with parenthetical statements that he does. He also refers to things in the third person. But, but that aside, that's just another layer of understanding John, uh, which we have to do, that exercise we have to do to be proper and lifting up intent. But on this one, what I see is that John was uh, uh, although he, it, this is the precursor for him being in prison for what he was doing, we find that he stayed active in his area. And his area was, remember, he came as, a, as uh, the voice crying in the wilderness. He came as the one before Christ was being presented, setting the stage, preparing the environment, preparing the moment for the coming of the promised one. And John is called John the Baptist. And I, I of, often... My, the way I correct it for myself is I call him John the Baptizer because obviously Baptist refers to a denomination the way that we're talking today. And to avoid confusion, he was the baptizer. That was the function that he had. He was a, an evangelist, went out there, spoke about the gospel, the good news. Once people heard about the good news and they received a Christ, the next step that he did was to baptize. And that's what he did. And the key here is that uh, he stayed active, although he knew... <coughs> He was facing prison and opposition, and although he, he knew that it, he had a troublesome future before him, he stayed active in the area of his assignment, and that is so critical. The other thing that I find in this, these few verses is that, you know, the Lord will always provide the resources necessary for your area of calling. If you notice, you can almost overlook this quick a phrase that, that we find in the gospel, and that is that he says, now John was also baptizing because there was plenty of water there. Now, realize, and, and this is not a deep statement I'm going to make, but you can't baptize without water. 
And the other thing is, if there's a lot of people coming and receiving the gospel, you need a lot of water. And what I get out of this very subtle kind of suggestion is that when God sends you out to do something or the, or the Lord places a burden, whatever it might be, whatever your calling might be, the area of your calling, uh, God will always provide more than enough resources for that. We get into trouble when we step out of our lane and start doing things that aren't part of our assignment or our portfolio. But in the area that you're in, in the area that you've been called to serve, God will always provide more than enough resources for that particular thing. So the argument has to be, so how come am I, am I suffering economically? Just maybe, just maybe, you're active, but not in the area that the Lord has called you, gifted you, prepared you to be active in. He had plenty of water available to him. And he continued also to serve people, which is another thing. Knowing that he was going to enter some troublesome time into, in his future, he kept on doing what God told him to do and serving people. And that's a key thing. Oftentimes, as leaders, we will move, or not even just as leaders, as individuals, the moment we see that there's going to be rough seas or difficulty ahead, we sometimes give up and stop to do the thing that, the very thing that God called us to do. That's why it's important for us during this season of COVID and, and quarantine that we continue moving forward and find creative ways. In this church, that's what we've done. We can't meet and, and fill the sanctuary with people, but we can meet this way. We can minister this way. We can do what God called us to do this way. And our pulpit can then be trans the pulpit message can be transmitted through technology to your home or to your workplace, to your smart device, uh, to wherever you are, anywhere in the world at any time. And so we need to continue to move forward even though we are facing difficult times. And in the COVID now, it looks like the, the numbers are starting to show that we're turning the you know, things should be improving now. They're plateauing and should be improving now. Uh, uh, at some point this year, things will get somewhat back to somewhat what they were before. Uh, but in the middle of this, we cannot stop. We have to continue moving forward and doing what God called us to do and stay active in our area. The second thing I see from the reading is verses 25 and 26. Let me read it first and then explain my point here. Because the first one was to stay active in your area. 25 through 26. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and, certain, and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. And this is key because um, part of the Old Testament Levitical tradition was ceremonial washing. They didn't call it baptism. Baptism in water by immersion or the sprinkling, however, whatever the, the final outcome, uh, outcome would be, the, the difficulty that religious leaders were having is that they understood ceremonial washing. But this thing about immersion in water, and then they would go to the Jordan River to, to baptize, or a river nearby, or a body of water nearby, that for the Orthodox Jews, for the religious Jews, that was conflicting, if not scandalous for them. Don't overlook that in this passage, because that's a heavy teaching. So it says, an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. Now, I find this so fascinating. And, and I titled this second observation, people complain about things you don't even notice. John did not even notice that there was baptism taking, taking place on the other side. 
What brought it to his attention was these leaders who were now having an argument about ceremonial washing or baptism by water. He didn't even realize. He wasn't, going, he wasn't distracted by what was going on on the other side until all of a sudden somebody brought it to his attention. And I think the teaching for us here, not everything that people see concerning you is healthy for you to know. It just might not be. I mean, I don't think that's that deep, but it's very practical. Sometimes people, did you see the way she looked at you? Did you see the way he did, greeted you? Or you noticed so-and-so didn't say hello? You didn't even notice it. And all of a sudden, seeds are planted in our minds and in our hearts that will take us out of our lane. Did you, see, did you hear what's going on in that little church? Did you see what's happening over there? <clears throat> we have to be careful, church, that we are able to uh, stay in doing what we're doing. Staying focused on what we're doing and don't get distracted when we don't even notice what's going on on the other side. And by the way, this debate about ceremonial washing and baptism is still a debate today. I mean, in religious circles, that's still the battle going on. And even in Christian circles, we baptize by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit only in the name of Jesus. Big debates. Some debates and some things that people bring to your attention will never be resolved in your lifetime. So pick the mountain you're going to die on. You know, and sometimes you just have to ignore what people say. And, and I'm not even questioning the validity of the, the Jewish leader and, the, and, and Jesus' disciples bringing up this issue. They might have sincerely wanted to end up in a theological argument. But my point is we have to be careful that, be careful with people. They, 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 they sometimes bring you information that is not necessary uh, at all, and it won't even help you. The third observation I see from the reading is verses 27 through 29. 27, 28, 29. To this, now he's responding to the argument between the Jewish leader and, Jesus, and John's disciples, or rather uh, 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 the, the, the followers. He's, this is what he's responding to. So 27, he says, to this John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. Note the text. Verse 28. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah. Because that's what they were alluding to. Remember, the Jewish community was waiting and still is waiting for the promised Messiah. So this, the issue of ceremonial washing and baptism became a sidebar for them to enter into conversation. But really the theme was, and John hit it on the head, the theme was that I am not the one. Because there was also debate during that, that time that are you the one? Is he the one? Is John the, the one? And John made it very clear. He knew his place, and that's the point here. The point here is know who you are and who you are not. Don't confuse the, the two. Just because people say, or others, family members especially, would say, you're great at this, you're wonderful at this, that does not mean that that is what God has for you unless it's actually a confirmation of something that's been spoken over your life. And you need to be settled in who you are and who you are not. You don't have to be an imitation of any, everyone else. You don't have to say yes to everything. I tell the leaders here often, we don't have to jump and, 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 and not jump, but we don't have to accept everything that comes before us because not everything that's before us is part of what God has for us. I've shared with you before, part of my effectiveness in ministry is that I look everything through the lens of, what, of this church. That's what I do. Any invitation I get, anything that I get to be a part of, whatever it's going to be, I always stop and pull back and say, okay, how does it benefit and, and will it take me away from our responsibilities here? Know who you are. Settle in who you are, but also in, your, in who you're not. He said it very clearly. I told you guys 
I am not the Messiah. I told you. So don't start that conversation going that way again. And apparently we can even conjecture here in the text that that, that was conversations that he had heard from them before. And so he says, you yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. Because the, that's the other thing, and I'll bring it in the latter point, that John knew who Jesus was, not just for mankind, not only for the religious world, but John also knew who Jesus was in relationship to himself, to himself. I said that I'm not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. Look at verse 29. And here he's just using some, some comparative illustrations here. The bride belongs to the, the bridegroom. The friends who attend uh, the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. That last phrase seals it. In other words, he's saying, no need to go any further. I am not the Messiah. I, am set a, I, am sent, uh, I was sent ahead of, the, of him. I told you this already. And I have joy in knowing that he is the promised one and I am not. And that's when he says, that joy is mine and now is complete. Know who you are and who you are not. My fourth observation. The first one was stay, in line, stay active in your area. The second one was uh, people complain about things you don't even notice. And the third one was uh, know who you are and who you are not. But then look at verse 4, and I'm, I mean, not verse 4, my fourth point, verse 30 through 35. And I like this one because here what he's doing is what I just mentioned a few moments ago. Not only did he know that he was not the Messiah, not only did he know that he was, uh, he was sent before him, uh, but then he goes on to elevate Christ. And that's critical, critical as we live, and, I'm, and this is not just leadership talk, this is also laity talk. That we need to realize that we are here simply by God's grace over our lives. That our life has made a, a, a turn for the good because of Jesus being inserted in our lives and we receiving him. The role of Christ in us personally. And that's what John is saying here in verse 30. He says, he must become greater and I bec must become less. Now that isn't a statement of low self-esteem. It is simply a statement of affirming who Jesus was for him. That's critical. It isn't that God wants you to dress in sackcloth and walk around with your head down or, or, or scrape your knees through the ground off East Broadway. No. It's a, it's, a, it's a public proclamation of who he is, proclaiming confidently of who Christ is over us. He must become greater. I must become less. Now, how does he become greater? By our works of service in his name, by our acts of worship on, uh, 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 toward him. Those are the elements that work toward us elevating the Lord and toward us, and also us talking about him, talking about the Lord and the impact he's had in our lives. When people, and we have plenty of opportunities. You're different today than you were before. Yes, let me tell you why. Why is that? Well, let me tell you why. It isn't the church. It isn't a specific leader. It's the Lord in your life has made a change. Who has seen you through? It's the Lord has seen you through. Who has picked you up is the Lord. That Yes, he uses instruments around, but it's really the Lord that has worked it out in your life. 31 says, the one who comes from above is above all. Look at the way he's elevating Christ here in the hearing of these religious leaders. And the one who comes from earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He, he testifies to what he has seen and heard. No one accepts his testimony. Whoever accepts, accepted it is certified, has certified that God is truthful. Verse 34. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, 
for God gives the spirit without him. Now, he, he's, he's treading, remember, he's having a conversation, a confrontation with religious leaders, and he's just pushing some issues here that is going to make these guys really, really upset. He is speaking for God, for the spirit of God is in him, speaking of Jesus. I mean, talk about elevating. And then he, he nails it at the end with 35. The father loves the son and has placed everything in his hand. In acknowledging Jesus, you elevate yourself. Making him greater actually allows you to ride his coattails into greatness. Focus on Jesus and not on, your, on yourself. That's how you stay in your lane. Now, my final observation, the fifth one is one verse, verse 36. He so eloquently says the following. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains in them. Remember, he's having a confrontational discussion with these religious leaders. He didn't get into the debate of ceremonial washing or baptism in water. They brought up Jesus. He followed that path, started talking and elevating Jesus. And then he takes it to the point where he says, you know what? You want eternal life? It is only through Christ. I mean, he confronted these religious leaders in a place where he knew there was a need. And church, we need to have that kind of, of discernment that we will realize when the moment is precise to bring in the importance of someone being rescued by the Lord, by someone uh, allowing Christ to be their Savior in their lives, and that there's no other way because there's no wiggle, wiggle room in this statement. There's no theological wiggle room for the religious leaders that were listening here. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Jesus is the only Savior. Jesus is the only chosen one. Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. We can allow the context to change that conversation or that declaration for us. In fact, it's the opposite. The church needs to know. The people need to know. The public needs to know. Your family needs to know that Jesus is the only Savior. Stay in your lane. Father, I thank you for these moments that I have to share the powerful teachings that come, Lord, from the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, that the Bible speaks to us, increases our faith. Uh, Lord, it has the elements that we need to increase our capacity and to be transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And I pray, Lord, that today, tonight, Lord, we might learn the, the importance of staying in our lane, of not trying to imitate someone else, but rather to realize that we are the best person, the best one, the best me that you have ever created and that we can flow through confidently, Father, as we yield to you, lifting up Christ and proclaiming him as the only way for salvation and eternal life. I thank you for these moments, Lord, I have with my brothers and sisters. Bring blessings to everyone listening to my voice. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Let's worship the Lord.